Welcome to Thrive at Work, a podcast which offers insights and latest employment trends to help employers attract, retain and develop great people with me, Polly Rathbone-Ward. With special guests, we're going to be discussing the many and varied aspects of HR, from practical topics to overarching cultural themes. We'll be looking beyond traditional styles of management to bring new and people-centred ideas to forward-thinking organisations that want to shape a new future where people can thrive at work. Hello, I'm so delighted today to be joined by Zoe Thompson. Um, Zoe and I met each other pre-pandemic, so it must be a few years ago, at a networking event. And there are some similarities between what we do, and we just always end up having fantastic conversations. So I'm so delighted that Zoe has given her time and is joining me today. Welcome, Zoe. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. So Zoe runs Phoenix Life and Wellbeing Coaching and um, you've done that for a little while. Zoe, do you want to just start by explaining a bit about your background, what you've done up to date and sort of, um, you know, how you've come to do what you do and what you offer to clients? Okay, so I've been running Phoenix for um, just over four years now, so um, in year five. Prior to that, I worked for the police for 20 years um, in a variety of of different roles. So I started up at the bottom of the ladder, so to speak, in reception inquiry office roles and worked my way up through the organisation into senior leadership roles. And the last role that I had in the organisation was in change management. But I also had a side role of um, self-development trainer and was also coaching and mentoring other leaders coming up through the organization. So I was in a really privileged position to be, um, although I wasn't a police officer, so I was police staff, but I did have management responsibility for police officers, which was quite new in the organization. Um, And so there were other individuals coming up through into those leadership roles that were looking for support because it just had a different dynamic to it. Um, So, I was made redundant in 2017. And when I looked at the options, obviously I could look for employment elsewhere, but when I looked at what I was really enjoying in the roles that I had done, for me, the coaching element was really, really kind of encompassed everything that I enjoyed, the coaching, the mentoring, the self-development training. And I was really enjoying the change management role as well. Although it was business change management, I liked bringing people in through change and the engagement and the conversations that came out and and bringing the organization and the people with it through through change. So Phoenix was born as I was made redundant. So I the the day that my redundancy um, kicked in was the day I launched the business. And so, yeah, that was 2017. So I've been coaching full time now for for a few years and I work with individuals young people and adults um the the line that i like to use is i help them to create the tomorrow that they want while learning to love their today that's really important for me i think it's great to have uh, a, a vision and a future and and live the life that you do want but also it's really important to find and appreciate and love what you have now while you're working towards that um and it's the same ethos when i work with businesses as well it's um supporting the staff through workshops um, quite often there's soft skills based or well-being based workshops to support the staff but also one-to-one support with their leaders we know don't we at the moment that there's this 
change in what we're expecting and what we're needing from our leaders. And so being able to support them through workshops to help them with the frameworks and the strategies to help with that, but then through coaching sessions, helping each individual, what that means to them and how they can utilize that with the teams that they work with. That's great. Gosh, thank you. That's a lot of information there. That's fab. Um, I love what you were saying about creating the helping people to create the tomorrow that they want. Um, whilst what was the second bit? Well, learning to love their today. Yeah. I think sometimes people get really focused on what they don't have. Yeah. Um, while they're working on what they do want. Yeah. And so it's being able to balance the both, being, a, being able to balance what you already have, what you've already achieved, what life has already given you, and still working towards more of what you want and being able to make those changes to to have and live that life that that you do want rather than a life that has happened to you or a life that other people perhaps have wanted for you mm, absolutely and I think it's as well it's about kind of being present in your now gratitude and the mindfulness of you know recognizing what you have now while making small steps small changes to improve things for yourself taking control really and absolutely uh, helping yourself to move towards you know what you what you ultimately would like to achieve in the future that's wonderful thank you gosh I feel like as ever these conversations that we have <laughs> get in any direction <laughs> yeah there were quite a few topics that I was thinking about for our conversation and what I thought we could um, sort of delve into a little bit more is around the area of change, because I know that change management has been in your background mm -hmm. and the climate we're in right now and we've been through for the last 18 months, we have all experienced such a huge amount of change. So um, from my perspective, I'm seeing, you know, employers um, wanting to support their employees through change. I mean, that's been the case for the last 18 months, but we're now in a transition now at the time of recording um, where employers are either, you know, asking people to come back to the office or kind of transitioning to a sort of hybrid working um, depending on the sort of situation and what kind of business it is. So I thought I thought change would be a good area for us to focus on. So when you were with the police, what sort of change management were you actually kind of um, dealing with? The first project or program that I worked on was was actually a restructure of the organization. So um, with budget changes, government changes, um, we had to make a, a crazy amount of savings and it couldn't be done through the usual process of going through an organizational chart and just taking out the roles that weren't needed or combining roles. It needed a complete restructure and within that there was some collaboration with other forces as well. So I think the size of the program, I think we looked at one in three staff were impacted. So it was a huge, huge program, changing the restructure, looking at how things were done, what was working, what wasn't working, how policing had changed since the last operating model had been in place. So it was a huge program and a, and a program of engagement as well, of trying to understand from the people on the ground what was working, what wasn't working, what changes did they see but also then trying to put that into a big picture of putting all of these roles and all of these departments in together so that was that that was my first introduction into sort of the project world of change management and then after that I worked on different sort of smaller projects but um the last one that I worked in was 
bringing it, we brought in a new computer system, so technology change, which impacted everybody, but you obviously have more people, some people that are more confident with technology, some people really welcomed it, other people resisted it. And then the last one that I did was um, the technology rollout. So the body worn cameras, um, mobile, using mobiles, using a, a policing app on their mobile um, laptops. So being able to support the teams that are out, out with the public, being able to work without having to come back into the station. So lots of different projects and all of them had a slightly different dynamic dynamic in how it impacted each individual and how it impacted each department and so you know, the the engagement with with individuals was that was the role that I had as business change manager was being the link between the people on the ground doing the job the people that it was being that were being impacted linking into sort of that senior the senior kind of top table and trying to connect to and make sure that the messages weren't lost mm. as they went up through the chains of command if you like mm. so important I think the communication and how that's managed isn't it and I think you know as soon as anyone gets um a note of um oh something's happening change is happening people get very nervous and yeah been through obviously a huge period of uncertainty throughout the pandemic and people I do think get very very nervous about they're not you know they're used to coming to work every day well, there have been times when you know things have been so uncertain mm -hmm. that you know they're not sure if they're going to have a job next week next month yeah. you know, what, what's going to happen and I think uncertainty is very difficult for us to deal with isn't it it is and I think th there's a difference between when we feel changes happening to us being forced on us to when we're welcoming a change that we want to happen it's a very different dynamic it feels very different to us as an individual doesn't it and when somebody is when we feel like a change is being forced on us especially if we don't see the benefit of the change or, or we don't feel like we have any control or influence over that change that is happening so yeah it's um I think the what's happened over the last 18 months I think a lot of people have had change happen to them and I think there's a real opportunity now to bring people in and help them to shape the change and I think that's probably one of the key differences in in change that's going to be welcomed and embraced and people will make the most of it to when there will be more resistance and people are going to dig their heels in a little bit more but I think there's a real opportunity for businesses to look at how they operate look at where their their staff are at their best and bringing their staff in and engaging their staff in what what do they want from this change you know using it as an opportunity rather than something that has to be done great so do you have any um examples of things that you've seen that have been done particularly well or not so well <laughs> <laughs> there's there's always lots of examples for both and I, I think what i'm seeing at the moment is I think it's easy, you know, for, for some people, a smaller organisation, it feels easier because there's less people to engage with, less people to work with. But sometimes that, that, that has its own restrictions. And I think bigger companies might have more in terms of what they can do, but it's a bigger ship to turn. So I think communication is really important at the moment. And I think each there's a, a responsibility on each team leader to really communicate with their teams and understand what individuals are, are wanting and needing two different things I know but you know understanding what what they want from their company and what their company can do to support that um, so I think the the communication is really important at the moment and seeing how companies are communicating with their staff 
it is going to be not just at the highest level, but those individual team leaders as well. And the, you know, obviously the companies that I'm working with are very much on board with understanding what their staff want and shaping what their staff want because they bring in people like me to help them to do that. So you know that they're invested in wanting a good outcome. You hear some very interesting stories of how other companies are approaching it of almost that okay this is the date we can all be back at work so we'll see you on Monday morning at eight o'clock you know and not thinking or considering that actually people have changed their routines they've changed how they're working and that doesn't necessarily mean that their productivity or their performance has been impacted so just this assumption that everything will just change and revert back um, so I'm hearing some very interesting stories, but I think it's understanding you know, you're in as a team leader, your individuals, how are how are they working at their best and how can you support that? Because if you've got a, a good, happy member of staff who has found a way that works for them, then can you accommodate that? Can can you bring that into your new ways of working you know, why do you need to go back to how it was before because so many other things have changed you now it's this is resilience isn't it is it a bounce back or is it a bounce forward is it taking what you've learned and taking that into the future or is it trying to revert back to what worked before and I don't think a lot of people want that now I think people want elements of what they had before but they don't want it as it was before and I think Communication is the real key here and understanding what do your individuals want? Where did they, how did, where and how and why do they perform well? And how can you embed that into your ways of working? And how can your company accommodate that? Because if you get the best from your staff, you get the value of that as, as an organization. So some really good stories coming through and some shockers too, but it's always the way, isn't it? It is. I, I completely agree with you. I don't want to go back to normal. I think we need to learn the lessons from the last 18 months and move forward to a um, a future that is fit for, well, I don't know, just a new, a different future. I would rather yeah. move forward rather than look back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, productivity has not has not dipped um, during this time when people have been working separately. It's not to say, though, that there are those underlying issues. So, you know, some people have not enjoyed working from home. Mm -hmm. People really miss the social interactions and the connections and would love to get back to the office. But I think some people who, um, you know, there have been huge benefits of working from home as well. So I think it's looking at, you know, what is right for that particular business, but also for the individuals within the business. Yeah. Um, I think some form of hybrid approach is probably a great um, a great way forward if that can be accommodated by the business. Um, I agree. I think you know saying you know nine o'clock um, you know in the morning you need to be back in the office is slightly blinkered. Um, so yeah, int really interesting. So what would you be saying to, I know that you speak to individuals very often as well through what you do in terms of your coaching. And I think we were just, you were just saying actually before we press record that there seems to be quite a disconnect between what people want and what, you know, employers think they're doing uh, yeah. well and right. So what would you, if you could sort of help um, or support some managers, team leaders and say, you know, perhaps consider this sort of thing. Are there any sort of practical tips that you could suggest? What I'm seeing is a slight 
change in how people are, are approaching this. And I think coaching as, as a, a method of supporting staff is perfect for this kind of scenario. And a lot of employee assistance programs have counseling or they have support services. But what coaching does is help people to look at where they are now and where they're trying to get to, which is exactly the situation that we are in. And I think a lot of companies have supported executive coaching for their leaders at the top of their organizational chart, but actually coaching team leaders, coaching those managers that are in contact with your teams of people on a day-to-day basis has that double, double advantage because you're supporting the leader but you're also supporting that leader to be able to support their staff. So and the conversation we were having before, before we, we started recording was you know, the Deloitte wellbeing survey and this disconnect between what organizations think they're providing for their staff to support them and then what the staff themselves feel is being supported. And the, the number that I gave you was like 32% in the last survey said they didn't feel that their workplace was supporting them enough during COVID. And that's quite a big number of people. So I think the question for organizations at the moment is, have, have you, do you understand what your staff want and need from support services? You know, and if there is a lack of engagement, why is that? Is it because the, in, the services are not fit for purpose or potentially is there a culture within your organization that means people feel uncomfortable about coming forward and using those services which we know happens you know it's not necessarily that people don't feel that those services are fit for purpose it's whether or not they feel comfortable and confident in stepping forward and using them so I think that's really important at the moment is understanding what do you provide is it what people want and how can you help your people to engage with the services or shape the services into something that's needed so i think the you know the employee assistance programs are fantastic regardless of the size of the organization but it is about the engagement and making sure that they're fit for purpose and the support that people need at the moment is very different to what they needed two years ago so it's checking in that those services are still fit for purpose they might have been fit for purpose before are they still fit for purpose now or do they need to be shaped Um, But I think coaching is not just for your high performing executive senior managers. There's a a benefit to coaching for your team leaders and your managers. And and also I look after and support well-being with coaching as well, because counselling is great. And so is coaching. And there's two different types of service, which gives two different types of support. And so what you're doing is you're empowering that individual to make a decision of what support they want to help them to move forward. Brilliant. Thank you. You touched on redundancy earlier and, um, you know, furlough has just recently come to an end. Um, Mm. Furlough scheme that was set up at the start of the pandemic has now finally wound down sort of 18 months later. there may be people now who are facing a very uncertain future. Employers have obviously had to think about whether they can bring people back to the office, uh, back to the workplace, or whether they're having to look at other options because it's not viable. Um, obviously, that is a hugely uncertain time, and you've been through it yourself. So what are there any sort of tips or anything you could say that um, would help that transition? Because there are, there are good ways to be made redundant, and there are not good ways to be made redundant. <laughs> They are. And I think the biggest difference is how the people manage the people. 
oh. through the process. And it, it also depends. I, for me, I, I'd been there 20 years. You know, I that that was a big part of my identity. And I know, you know, they the people say that that shouldn't be a part of your identity, but it it was. You work with an organization for that long. Your everything in your life is is connected, you know, in into that world. And I think understanding how that change impacts individuals, and it will impact different people in different ways, but supporting the individual through the process. It's not just about managing a post out of a structure chart. It's about supporting an individual to find the best next steps for them. And that will be, again, it's always different for different people, isn't it? But it's just sitting down and having that conversation with people and saying, okay, how can I support you to manage this? This isn't about taking it away from them and managing it for them, but it's asking that individual, how can I support you to take ownership of this, to make, help you make the decisions that are best for you? And again, it's that coaching approach, isn't it? It's not fixing it. It's not solving it for them. It's not giving them the answers. It's giving that person that safe space to talk freely about how they feel, how it's impacting them, where else it might be impacting other parts of their life and then helping to support that individual to take ownership and responsibility and be able to move themselves through the process and take control of it. Because I think that's, for me, that was the biggest challenge was I didn't feel in control of what was happening. Um, and when I tried to take control of what was happening and take control of the elements of what was happening, I would find that the organization were making changes elsewhere that were having an impact on me. And so that, that was the, the biggest challenge. But I think, again, it's, it's communication. It's listening to the individual and understanding what the individual's concerns are. You know, some people are very happy to walk away with a package and not worry about what their next steps are. And for other people, that's a huge level of uncertainty that has an impact on family and financial commitments and their confidence and their sense of purpose and their sense of contribution and their sense of significance and all these emotional human needs that we have and that we need to fulfill so again it is it does come back to communication of of having people in those positions who are able to sit down and listen and give somebody that safe space and not feel that they need to jump in and problem solve and find all the answers sometimes it is signposting and saying okay let's help you to find an organization or somebody who can help support you with this and I'm, I'm not sure that always people who are in these positions are best placed to do that um, and that then becomes part of the problem is that individual then doesn't just feel that they're being managed out of an organization they don't feel that they're listened to they don't feel that they're supported and it's almost that their sense of contribution or significance doesn't matter anymore it's like well what have I done all of this time what did I contribute am I important and that has a huge knock-on impact so it is about communication and, and giving those individuals that support mm, absolutely and 20 years is such a long that is a, it's a loss isn't it it's almost like a yeah. grief something's being something's sort of coming out of your life that was such a big thing and it is a loss and you know I think we've all experienced um 
a feeling of loss over the last 18 months mm -hmm. you know whether it was you know you can't come to the office anymore because we have all now to work from home or um, those industries that could not continue working at all are going to be you know temporarily um, shut down and you're going to be on furlough you know I think it's it's a big a big change and you know some people of course have sadly experienced um, grief and bereavement and yeah and loss in that way um, over that time. Um, so, um, yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you. So in terms of, I guess, the, um, you know, talking or relating it to grief or loss, I remember you talking one time about the change curve. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit more about that, Zoe? Sure. And the, so the Kubler-Ross Kubler change curve goes back to the 1950s. And as you were saying, it, it was originally the the research and and the information was around bereavement around loss and it's been adapted and there's a variety of different models out there that have applied it to organizational change and personal change and I think the reason why I talk about the change curve is that I think it's it, there's two benefits to it is one is understanding where you are in the change curve but also as a manager understanding where your people are on that change curve as well and that you're you have different people within your team in different places now you are going to have some people that are going to go oh this is so exciting and they'll be at phase three looking at what's next they'll already be thinking about how the future will look they'll start to look for the benefits they'll be seeing the benefits and so you will have people who are going to go straight into phase three but you're also going to have people that are in phase one who are going to be much more resistant. They're going to feel certain ways about the change, especially if they feel the change is happening to them. If they don't see the benefits of the change, if they can't identify where they are in the future model, that has a big impact. So it's, it's a real challenge for managers in being able to support a team of people who are all in a different place. And ultimately, you're trying to get them all through to you know, phase three, this acceptance and embracing the, the new the new model or the new way. Um, but people are going to get there at a different pace and uh, in a different way. And, and being able to manage that, this is what we're saying at the beginning about what we need from leaders, what we need from managers is really changing. And so being able to look at how you manage and lead your team how you communicate with your team how you support your team when they're all in different places it is a we talk about a hybrid way of working it's a hybrid way of managing of needing to be able to to, to be a different leader for different people at different times um, and that's that's a real challenge and some leaders will be very excited about that prospect and others are going to be pretty nervous about having to do that and and you know unfortunately that's when people avoid it um, and they try to avoid those conversations and they avoid conversations that they think there might be conflict in there. And then it just it just snowballs then, doesn't it? So, and yeah, the change curve is a fantastic way of understanding where you are and where you, your people are, whether that's you as a manager. You know, you can use it as a parent of understanding where your family are or your friends are. It's a great I think it's a great tool to be able to look at that big picture and just understand that different people are in a different place and we all get there in our own time but we do need to get there in our own time yeah absolutely <clears throat> um 
Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Have even showing someone or explaining to them that we do go through this, you know, when we when it can be a shock, you know, it can mm-hmm. be a shock to hear a piece of news that you're not expecting and um, that you just to be aware that you're likely to move through various different phases is um, so you can understand yourself a bit more and you can yeah. be, be kinder to yourself because you can kind of understand that you're you're actually going through a, a process here. Yeah. Um, of registering something understanding something and you will move you will move through it super interesting thank you Zoe have you seen um do you would you think do you think that people have got more resilient throughout the pandemic I think it depends on what the resilience is around and I think there is I'm definitely seeing a uh, a reduction in resilience around um, sort of social, there's so like that social element of being around lots of people. So especially for for those of us who are introverts, um, the lockdown and working from home, not seeing people, wasn't such a big challenge because that's our that's our comfort place. You know, we're quite happy working in that way. But now things are starting to open back up again, and this expectation that we will be out seeing people that socially, you know, professionally, this, this level of engagement and interaction that is now needed, I think people's resilience to people has definitely changed. Um, but uh, there's, there's also, I think, an increase in resilience around things like change, things like um, the things that we're not in control of, being able to kind of go with the flow of the things that we can't take control of, that acceptance that there are some things that we can't control, but identifying what we can take control of. So I think it depends on what what the what the resilience is for. I mean, I think there's lots of people who have a tendency to look for the risks and plan for things that that's, you know, the last 18 months has really changed for them. And I, you know, I've seen a lot of people who've learned to let go of that, who've learned to let go of the need to control certain things because they've been in a situation which has really forced them to look at how they can respond to things in a different way. Um, so I think there's lots, there's been lots of benefits, but there has I think the resilience, I think it depends on the starting point to how it's how it's impacted people. So definitely seeing increases in some areas and decreases in others. Mm. Yeah, interesting. And I think as well with the control element and what you can and can't control and just understanding that and being aware of that as well can also make you feel a bit more um stable I think so thinking about you know with a pandemic there's obviously been a lot that you can't control yeah there have been a lot of things that you can control in terms of your day-to-day habits and how you're managing yourself day-to-day um also in terms of redundancy I think it's perhaps looking at those opportunities um or any any time of uncertainty looking you know looking for okay well the situation is happening or the change is happening whatever the change is yeah um you know what what can I think about what can I control what can I influence actually what do I have influence over and how can I express that influence to make sure that I'm still in the conversation and I'm still included and I'm still um, relevant and I'm still part of it and even though you are going through a change of some Mm. 
I think that's that's the challenge for for managers now, isn't it? Is that they we've had this period where the control has moved to the individual of the controlling their workspace, their work environment, their working hours, resetting those boundaries over. This is my workspace. This is my work time. This is how I will manage life around that. And so managers have almost had to relinquish some of that control because they they can influence it, but they can, can't control it. So I think now there's a real opportunity to say, how can I, you know, how can I support the individuals in my team to still have that responsibility and accountability over their workspace and their working hours and, and taking ownership of their performance and how they manage their performance in and around everything else that is going on in their life and not feel the need to grab back that control because they can. Mm. It's still almost staying in that circle of influence, being able to not feel the need to take control, but be a person of influence and support and still keep the individuals in your team in that place where they are in control of making those decisions. You know, it's that empowerment of people taking responsibility and accountability of how they work and how they show up for work. And as a manager, being in that circle of influence and support. I think I'm seeing lots of individual managers who are like, oh, I can get that control back. So I'm going, I want people back at their desks. I want people working in this way. You know, it's, it's not about you as a manager. That's not your role as a manager to make necessarily make those decisions. It's about how you manage your team to make those decisions and show up, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there is a huge opportunity here to, I think it's about trust as well. Yeah, um, you know, if those managers that have been able to demonstrate trust, let let their people get on with it, even though they're no longer in an office altogether. Um, but to monitor the productivity through output rather than yes. you know time spent sitting at a desk and visibility. Yes, and so- trust is a two way process, isn't it? Is it you know you need to trust your teams, but also for, for individuals as an employee to feel trusted, to know that you are trusted, to show up and make good decisions and, and be responsible is, you, know, you will get more out of those individuals when they feel trusted. So it's, it's keeping your ego as a manager in check, isn't it? You don't know, always have the answers. You don't always know better. Sometimes your people know better. Mm-hmm. And as a manager, it's keeping that in check, isn't it? And, and being able to take that step back and listening to what people are telling you and making decisions based on what people are telling you, not based on what you think you know, because you're in that position. Yeah, that's a really interesting that's a really interesting point. I'm sure some people will agree with that. Agree and some people will, will disagree, but I think that's management style, isn't it? Of, are you you know managing yourself in that position as well as managing your teams mm. well trust is an interesting one because it it also leads back into well-being I think because if you trust yeah. your teams and make them feel safe you know create a psychologically safe workspace yeah. um again as you say you will get more out of your people at the end of the mm-hmm. day they'll feel more able to be creative to get on with their work without feeling that they're going to perhaps get the finger pointed at them or blamed for making a mistake they'll feel 
able to explore within certain boundaries obviously mm. and um you know you will have a more sort of productive innovative creative work place where you will get you know more interesting results out of your your people at the end of the day absolutely Cool, thank you. So you've talked a lot about communication. Are there any sort of, um, we're coming probably towards the end of the time now, so I'm just interested in um, some sort of last tips around improvements around communication or any great practices that you've seen recently. Key for me about effective communication is, is that definition, isn't it, of making sure and checking in that your message has been received as you intended and I think that sometimes is the missing part is that we feel that we've communicated effectively but we haven't actually checked that the person has understood them what we were telling them in the way that we intended and so there's what we what we think what we feel what we want to say and then what we actually say and how we actually say it and then the person who you're talking to there's there's how they hear it and how they receive it and how they process that information. And I think sometimes that is the biggest disconnect is the, the one person communicates in with very positive intentions in a way that they think is very clear, but the person who's receiving it doesn't receive it in the same way. And they, they process it in a very different way. And they might come away from that conversation with more concerns. And the person leaves, the other person leaves the conversation thinking, oh, well, I've, I've communicated that really clearly. So it's that check-in that that person has understood what you wanted them to understand in the way that you wanted them to understand it. But also listening. I think there's a big part of managing leading that is about listening you know we just talked then about the ego about you feeling that you know more that you feeling that you know best because you're in a position that's you know one or two bits higher on your organizational chart that doesn't mean that you know more or that you know better and so listening and understanding from your teams is so so important and not feeling that you need to know more you know, I think that's a big part, isn't it, for especially when people are newly promoted and we talk about imposter syndrome is that people feel that they don't have all of the answers. That's OK, because you have individuals around you that will have the information and have the answers and listen and understand and learn. You know, it's OK. Even if you're in a senior manager role, it's OK to say, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. Listen, understand and, and learn. And that's a huge part of communication that I think sometimes gets lost in not listening and who I think again it's that you see it in managers where they're listening to respond they're listening and they're already playing out what their response is going to be in their heads they're not listening or empathizing or understanding they're listening so that they're ready to have that answer and I, I think that's for me is just such a big part of the effective communication of you need to listen to understand you've got an opportunity to learn from your people as much as they have an opportunity to learn from you. Um, you don't have all of the answers and you don't have to behave in a way that suggests that you have all of the answers. I think there's that vulnerability, authenticity of really good managers are the people who say, I don't know. What do you think? What's your experience? How can I learn from you and use that information to make the decision and lead? I think we saw a bit of that during the pandemic because obviously none of us had experienced such quite a situation. 
So there was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of, you know, questions, uh, you know, going to the top of the organisation. And, and we didn't know, did we? Because this was all very new to all of us. We were yeah. all learning um, on a day to day basis as things happened. So um, I definitely saw a lot of that within organisations and people just saying, I, I don't know, but, you know, I will keep we will keep communicating. And as yeah. we know more, um, you know, we will certainly, um, you know, communicate it as soon as we can. And I think for some senior people, that was a big, um, huge change, not being able to sort of have all the answers and and be the sort of most important person <laughs> in inverted commas. Um, because that's the kind of role that they're used to playing. I think that was quite a big change for a lot of people. I think there's an opportunity there to look back and see how your teams have responded to that. How did your teams respond when you gave yourself permission to say out loud, I don't know, this is new, let's work this out together. How did your teams respond differently when you led and managed in that way? Because I think a lot of people will see that actually there was a real benefit to that, that they will have seen that they would have had individuals who would have stepped forward and given suggestions and given ideas and some team working and people working together to work it out rather than looking at one individual to, to work it out for them. So I think that there's an opportunity there to reflect and see what did work, where, where was the benefit in, in managing in that way? Yeah, absolutely. And again, um, linking it to well-being again. So those leaders that were actually, you know, showed themselves to be vulnerable or, you know, I think we all had probably days where we felt a bit shaky or we're not quite sure what's going on. Whereas, you know, those leaders who said, well, you know, I'm not feeling great this morning, but actually I'm going to go and make an effort to go out at lunchtime into the sunshine or yeah. whatever, out to get some exercise and demonstrating, you know, leading by example, it's okay to have days where you're not feeling great, but actually, you know, I'm going to give myself time. I'm going to make sure I take my breaks effectively. And I think leading by example is just so important because if you don't take your breaks then your team are not going to take breaks because they will feel that they can't you know that's the culture that you're sort of setting exactly um, and all of the research shows that when managers walk the talk it creates that culture so it's exactly the same as parenting they're not they're not listening to what you're telling them to do they are watching to see what you're showing them and that is so important if you're sending emails late at night or at weekends you are creating a culture that says that that is how things are done and so you know schedule your email to go out during working hours if it works for you to work later in the evening or work at weekends that's great but it, it, think about the impact that you're having on the other person it's again this the effective communication isn't it is it's what is this telling them what is this showing them not just what are you saying um, so you know reschedule that so you go the, the email goes out when you know that person is next working so you're not putting some kind of unwritten unsaid pressure that they now have to respond because it works for you and that's part of hybrid working now is understanding what do individuals want how do individuals want to work and being able to adapt to that it's, it doesn't need to be a big ask it's mm. simple changes that benefit the person and the people that you're working with and that will then benefit the business yeah I do think that's really important actually with hybrid working that you know we can because of technology we can work at any time of the day or night and 
being in our homes, perhaps working or working remotely, it is incredibly difficult to maintain those boundaries. But I think, again, um, to lead by example and set yourself healthy boundaries yeah. um, with working hours, working patterns that you stick to, um, you're sort of creating a healthy um healthy expectations and behaviours for yourself and I think also sending messages that you know it's important to put your health and well-being yeah. um you know first and actually I'm you know I'm not going to respond to emails late at night because I don't you know I have my my working boundaries and that's that absolutely so important cool thank you um we are sort of um you've been really generous with your time Zoe um how can people reach you if they would like to continue this conversation or get some further help from you more than happy to have a chat with anyone who wants to talk about anything that's come up um the website is a good good point of contact so phoenixlifecoach.co.uk or i'm on linkedin people are more than welcome to connect on linkedin and and find me there if that's helpful brilliant thank you very much thank you <laughs>